You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey, guys, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Uh, joined this week by my man, Toddley. What's up, dude? Back in the seat, feeling good. I like it. I like it. Let's start out with the Duncan Trussell 4th of July episode. I love the fact that they were dressed like, how would you even describe that? Like oh, like uh, like our forefathers, man. Right. Yeah. Come. I mean, I know you're from Britain, but come on, dude. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Um, and you they know, they had he... those weird wigs like they wore back in the day during you know the 1800s, at late 1700s. Right. I don't know how long that lasted. I'm glad they got rid of that look. Wasn't that because everyone had syphilis? I don't know the history. I'm not a history guy typically. <laughs> I love that they didn't even talk about it though. I think Joe mentioned the wig one time because he was worried that he was going to set it on fire. I didn't realize what was going on until they mentioned that it was the July 4th episode. So you, that you was didn't why. notice that it was also July 4th? I ju- it just didn't occur to me until they talked about, like, they cheers that it was July 4th. They go, <laughs> oh, that's why they're wearing that, those silly outfits. Yeah, they barely, they barely mentioned that. <clears throat> Looked really uncomfortable. By the end, Duncan was like, his wig was falling off. He's sweating. They're both pretty. They've seemed pretty drunk and high, also, which is which is fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just standard for those two. I mean, it's what they do. Duncan on Drunken History is great. I mean, it's one of the best. Are they Are they still doing Drunken History? I think or so. Drunk History. I think they do. Yeah, love they that show. That. It's, it's brilliant. It's an incredible show. We should do that here. We should just do it for fun. You know, they started that show out using, I think, history professors, like early, early on, and they would get them hammered, and it was funny, but then eventually they went to comedians because they realized they needed more consistent humor with... Because uh, the history professors actually knew what they were talking about, even if they were drunk? It, well, they did, but they weren't always that funny, right? Some of them were like just drunk and very serious, but if you watch some of those early ones, some of it really came through as... Um, I mean, a few of those guys were just hilarious, but mostly it was like, um, uh, it was like unintentional funny. Like they just didn't, <clears throat> they didn't plan to be funny. They were just so hammered that that's what they did. Yeah. I, I mean, a great idea for a show. I'd like to hear the history of how that show came about <clears throat> because it's, it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Probably just people getting drunk and telling stories and they were like, let's film this. It's genius. Yeah, I thought about doing that. Um, my wife and I have actually talked about if we we've always talked about getting married again because our kid will be able to see it, like doing a, a another ceremony just for fun mm-hmm. and actually filming ourselves doing a like drunk history style where somebody would film me and someone would film film her talking about the first time we met, the first day we met, right? And just just get, hammered, get hammered, talk about it, and then have our friends act it out. Oh, that's good. We've, we've chatted about this for years because it's one of her. <clears throat> excuse me, it's one of my wife's favorite shows. But any anyway, let's get into Duncan. Let's do it. They bring up the Catholic Church right away, which you'd imagine they would. And 
talking about the wealth of that place. And of course, I mean, I, I haven't been there. I, I really want to go to Rome and, and see the Vatican and, and all the artwork and the um, chapels and just all that cool stuff that's there. But imagine what the dollar amount of that place has in like art and history and those buildings alone. I mean, just the, the art alone in like, not only like pieces of art, but art on the walls. Right. I mean, how much what is, is that? St. Peter's, what is it called? Basilica. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Painted by Michelangelo, right? That's Michelangelo. Well, he had helpers, but yes, it's his creation. Right. One of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, it was. It's crazy to think about the amount of artwork that they do have. I mean, I, I don't know the exact amount, but I'm sure there's just caverns of that stuff just laying around, and it's probably all, um, you know, S- stolen. Well, I don't know what happened in the Crusades, <laughs> but uh, seized. Um, I did. I did find it interesting. Uh, yeah, I think they were actually talking about this before the Vatican, but the that sour grapes movie, and then. Did you have you seen that? No, uh, the one about forging the wine bottles and how the coke the do one of the Koch brothers bought this supposed Je- Thomas Jefferson wine. Oh yeah, what a gullible! Yeah, he spent like a hundred grand on a bottle of wine. But then Duncan talked about um, that murder. I think it's called um, Murder of the Mormons. It's mm. a, it's another forgery style movie where they catch a dude who's been forging documents, but he was actually forging documents that he claimed were from the Mormon church and from, you know, what is it? John Smith is, is their leader, but he was like creating these documents that they were trying to carbon date. And because of the process that he used, he used like a chemical process to make the ink dry and look really old. And he somehow was using the same type of ink that they would have used in that you know, century or whenever that was like right. 15. I don't know what, when the Mormons claim to, I don't know the history behind it, but it was, it wasn't that long ago. Anyway, the fort, I mean, he was getting, I think millions of dollars from the, from, from the attorney general of Utah or something to buy these documents. He created this like salamander letter. It, it's an extremely interesting film. I'll, you guys should definitely watch it. I won't ruin what happens because there's a lot of shit that goes down. No shit. But mur- murder, I think it's called Murder of the Mormons. I wonder how many people have got away with like those types of really solid forgeries. I don't know. I mean, the kid was doing it f- since he was little. You'd have to, You know, right? he just was kind of, he was a bit of a psychopath when it came to forging documents i'd imagine just like that catch me if you can movie like if if you've been doing it so since the you know your whole life and then you keep up with the technology as it goes you only have to be like one little step ahead each time because you know what kind of methods they're going to use to figure out if it's fake and you just do something else so that they can't tell yeah, I mean, I think back in the day it was probably a little bit easier, like especially with the, what was it, in the 60s was when um, Catch Me If You Can. Well, mm-hmm. the, mo- the movie came out, but it was about that guy. Right. The but Pan that was Am. happening in Pan Am when he was forging all those checks, right? He was forging checks. Basically, yeah. This guy was doing documents, which was even more, uh, I guess, uh, technical when it came to like, because he had to make it look really, really old, mm. right? 
it's one thing to forge a check. I mean, that's it. It seems a little easier, but still, in the '60s, you could probably get away with it, right? He was like, remember, he was taking the the little Pan Am logo off of those planes. I wonder if that was actually true. Like soaking him. He was soaking him in the tub. Genius, right? So good. I wonder if the best thing to do if it's like you're trying to make an old document is mostly just have old blank pieces of paper because the paper will be old enough, right? Then all you have to do is make the ink look old. And otherwise, like what else are they going to use to test it? Right. Uh, well, and make the paper look old too, right? Mm. Well, but if it already is, there <clears throat> might be like old paper lying around that nobody wrote on. Who knows? Let's you gotta get into oxid- it. You got to oxidize the iron or something like that's in the ink to make it look old as well, which is what he was actually using a chemical process. Like he had a fish tank. No you got to watch the movie, dude. I'll watch it. Yeah. I'll check it out. It sounds good. That's that's definitely down the 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 same road as like what Duncan would be into. He loves shows like that for sure. He's funny, man. Duncan is a funny dude. He's just so interesting and nice. He's so kind. He's like a sweetheart, but just has these like wacky ideas. And um, he's really one of the best guests that ever goes on Rogan, I think. Because you know it's fun. You know, great. You got to sit down and listen to four hours or something. Ancient technology. That was a big one they got into. What have we lost? Now, this shit comes up all the time. We've all seen ancient aliens. You know, the age of the Sphinx is up for debate. But... Man, oh man, I wish they just would find something really definitive. I know it always comes back to that, you know, give us proof thing, but it would just make it undeniable if they just pulled out like an old, you know, power station or a, a plane did or you, just something. Did you look into that, what is it, Younger Dryas? Oh, the Younger Dryas what is, what, what impact is that, theory? Yeah, that's kind of part of it. Like they're saying we used to be super... Uh, advanced well and then everything got blown away and then we can't really we don't really know whether it was aliens or whether it was an asteroid like what was the younger driest I'm thing I'm pretty sure they the idea is that it was an asteroid okay it hit so hard it left that nuclear glass which only exists after nuclear explosions and meteors because of the heat and they found that it's everywhere Okay. Right? So there's like a layer of it all over the earth after that thing in like the sediment. It's like a black line that's real thin, and they just find it everywhere, uh, or almost everywhere. And there, the idea is that it would have just been so um, cataclysmic that it would have wrecked the planet. So even if we had pretty advanced civilizations around, or at least for the time, like Egypt. I mean, that was obviously advanced. Look at what they did. Or and, and this happened before that, but let's say it was something, you know, around that time that was, like, more advanced. They would have mostly all been wiped out. Right. Because it just would have wrecked the whole planet. Yeah, and and hearing, you know, hearing this idea of, like, look, if that happened now, all of our technology is on computers that would just get completely wiped away it's not like we're carving shit in stone like they were back then that's true i mean we so it'd just we don't gone. even really have books no like we used to. books well books would be gone too mm-hmm. it would get demolished if something like that happened the only thing that sticks around are these are these prehistoric petroglyphs and shit written on stone and stuff that's carved into things right i mean what else would survive some some clay pots underground which we found plenty of those I, yeah, I wonder if it would be worth 
I don't even know how you would save it. Let's say the same thing, right? Let's say we just have these like giant areas of stone and then we have a machine that just carves like this kind of braille data in like pretty small, but like not so small. It gets eroded away. Just kind of saving the earth's data. Almost. Aren't we, we have to be doing that, right? We're doing that I, somewhere. Probably, putting but I don't know if it's like that. Putting something underground, like a time capsule. I'm sure we're doing that. And yeah, no doubt. Because didn't they, they sent something like that to the moon, right? That's a good idea. We should send some stuff up there. That's not going to get blown up. I'm out. pretty sure that happened in the 60s mm. when we went to the moon. Anyways, we're getting off topic, but I'm pretty sure they had some sort of time capsule that had like music on it. Have you heard of this? Oh, no, that was the Voyager. Um, okay. The Voyager probe that like is now left our solar system or pretty close. It has a record on that put That's together by Carl Sagan. And it has a bunch of sounds and languages and you know, things like that. I think that that is, is kind of like what Earth is. And then we show where the Earth is on that, which is maybe a good or a bad thing. I don't know, because they might invade us. <laughs> they could come get well, us. I, I thought what was uh, one of the more interesting things that got, I mean, it, it was a little bit, it was far out there, which I like. I appreciate ideas that are far out. But the the technology being a life form and that human beings are the sex organs of the machine world. I, I can't remember who made that quote, but it, what a great quote. Yeah. the Rogan says that all the time. It's... Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's so hard to know with AI. I mean, they talk about that art program. You've seen it, right? That AI art program. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I checked it out. I like I typed some stuff in to it and looked at the art. It was great. I type, yeah, I typed in like, well, doesn't matter what I typed in, but I I checked it bouts. out. Yeah, weird shit. And it instantly just pops up. I mean, I I, I would like to try it again with more terms like with more with more writing because i think i wrote like snowboard surf bomb snow something or other and it came up with like some dude surfing on a wave but you couldn't really see a face the more direction you give it the better like you can do you can put in like styles of art that really helps it out yeah because it just has more to work with and i think the image the the like because it gives example images underneath of like uh, other ones people have done and they often come out more kind of defined than ones that I've put in. And it's only because of all the search criteria they put in. It's almost like the more you put, the clearer the image, the more defined and often weird it is. Yeah, because you're just giving it, a. Pr you're basically just telling a computer to compute something for you. So the more info you get, the more um, specific and the more you can tell it the better it's going to turn out right like it was it was cool to hear that they put in matisse and it actually came out like a matisse painting like it was more impressionistic mhm mm that's fucking sweet well imagine just having an entire museum of just that art it's scary though like it's like you train one ai to tell the art ai different ideas so they're kind of connected or disconnected you know it's two separate things and then it just makes a whole museum's worth of art it, yeah. Does that just change what art is then for the future? That's a weird it's one. Still, man. It's still art. It's just created by something that isn't human. Well, but, but it was think created how, by humans. Think how different that is, right? Because they always say it's like on the very creative end of things, the artistic end, the robots 
and AIs won't be able to do it. But they can already make music. They can make art. None of them can make comedy. I don't think any of them are funny. Right? It's like, tell us a joke about this thing, that thing, this thing, in the style of, you know, Bill Burr. They're miles away from that. They'll, I think they're going to get there, though. <sighs> That'd I be mean, the they last talked one. with Andreessen about the, the not being able to fold clothes, but we'll get into that. Mm. You know, you can't tell a robot specific, some specific things that are more human in nature, you, they still cannot perform. Well, what about that Google engineer they were talking about that, again, thinks the AI became sentient? Now, we get to Mark Andreessen. Andreessen, yeah. Andreessen. We get to him, but he doesn't think that that's a thing. But that is potentially the most terrifying thing that could ever happen in the human race, right? Or maybe it's a good thing. Well, I mean, Duncan was talking about being able to give those same commands like we were just talking about with this art thing online. And I, I don't know the where you go to do that. I can't remember the dot com. But uh going into the metaverse and actually like commanding the metaverse to do something like that. Um I thought that was crazy because it, you know in this AI world that we're creating and this digital, you know, this digital world that we're going to have these goggles on and we're going to be able to to basically create our own universe inside these freaking goggles that we're wearing. If we're able to say, hey, I want to see this and it just pops up, like that's that's happening. It's going to happen. Yeah. Like, so is anyone going to leave their house? It's well, freaking weird. Well, they have some sort of contact lens that they've made now that has um, more pixel definition than an iPhone. And it's just in a contact. Now, I don't know how it's powered or how it works, what the interface is like or what you could do with it. But eventually your smartphone would just be a contact lens, I think. Like, that's going to be the first really definitive kind of, like, hybrid technology human. It's like, you won't leave your house without your contact. Because you won't know what you're doing. You won't know where you're going. You won't remember what your tasks are for the day. You won't know how to call anybody. We are, <clears throat> we are in a brave new world, sir. We are. There's no way out. There's no way out of that. And, I mean, th this is what it leads a lot... To going back to mushrooms and doing DMT and Joe ending the pod talking about how he saw that Buddhist imagery and and Hindu stuff. Then he fell in love with that artwork and got it. And um, who knows, man? Maybe maybe that DMT realm is like the realm that finally connected to the AI and completely integrated and now they're just in a different dimension altogether like that's the next level of life otherwise what the hell is going on in that realm why are they like buddhist i mean if i was to put those goggles on i would want to head directly to that realm mm. <laughs> i don't want to play any games i just want to see what it's like to be in this digital dmt world you just get over there <laughs> All right, let's jump over to uh, Mark. And yeah, what, what is this guy? He's a billionaire, right? I didn't look up his net worth, but I would imagine he cr basically created the first web browser. So probably 
Mm-hmm. And now he's a venture capitalist, so yes. That, yeah. Anyone that's a venture capitalist is... It, that just VC. sounds rich. He... Yeah, the first web browser. Like, what... They even said that the first emails were being sent in, like, 1968. That's crazy. But just between four yeah. computers. That was, like, the first internet. Well, and I, I don't remember this. I mean, I was born in 82, so I definitely remember floppy disks. And you and I talked about this. You, actually saving things onto a cassette tape. I don't remember that. That was before me. Well, they had... Or maybe I just didn't have that style because I think I had a Commodore 64 was the first computer my parents bought in the mid-80s, you know? The Commodore had discs, but it also had tapes for some reason. The one I had was tapes. I'm pretty sure they had an Atari one that had tapes as well for a while, but I think with the upgrade, the discs just lasted longer. They Maybe they were cheaper than the tapes were but those games took forever to load my old my older brother simon gave me his for some reason i think i wanted one for christmas and he gave me his commodore 64 and had like 50 tapes of games so i just felt like the coolest kid in the world with all these games and man i just spent so much time just sat playing i mean we'd had nothing like that before yeah i mean think of when they didn't talk about Nintendo, but think about when in, when Nintendo came out. Game changer. That was such a big deal. I mean, there would be like, oh, that kid on the block has a Nintendo. We're going to his house all day. We're going to pretend we're on our bikes all day, but really we're just going to homie's house to play Nintendo. That, it really was the first time that like messed up going out and and playing and right. having fun. Right? We'd still ride our bikes over there helmetless, though, which is cool. Yeah, we didn't care. <laughs> We didn't know any better. <laughs> we were still chucking fireworks without yeah. any adult supervision during 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were on our own. But once those oh. games came, that was it. I mean, that was the beginning of, like, you know, the sedentary child that just sits in the basement all day. Because I had friends that were upset. Like, I like those games. I played them a lot. That's when it started, huh? But I had friends that were obsessed. If they didn't finish a game or complete a game, they'd miss school for it. It was like their entire life was playing video games. It was really just like an incredible escape that we'd never had before. Yeah, I mean, they talk about this whole... I mean, now in the future, right, we've got this, and Andreessen talks about this, and it maybe it started with games. Now we're talking robots. We're getting way more futuristic now, but that tool can be good or bad, right? Like there's, there, it depends on who you are really because I loved those games, but I also loved being on my bicycle and spending time outside. So it really has to do with like, I don't know if it's your, just your chemical makeup or your upbringing, but some people are just really wanting to play games instead of being outside. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a balance of things. It's knowing that having a balance with as many things as you can, is going to be a better, more effective way to orient yourself. I mean, stuff's always going to come along that you really prefer and like. But if you, you can't just do it all the time to get that feeling of enjoyment. It's like, ah, I've, I've spent enough time inside playing games. You know, it takes your Maybe. parents Maybe. To be, well, if it stops you being active, that's bad. They haven't really made, like, really good active games. I guess the Wii is a bit like that. 
I don't know enough about games, but I do know that Mark Andreessen, when he was talking about nuclear power being good or bad, like the, basically the atomic bomb, mm-hmm. he would, it, it was very interesting to me to hear, because you know, I always think nuclear bombs are horrible, right? They are not great. Right. I think we can all agree with that. Mm. <laughs> okay, that's an agreement. It's not that up most for of us pretty bad. not much debate there. Um, but but knowing that it's a deterrent and it's something that we basically can't use, it's almost useless, right? He he mentioned that it was useless because they never get used. They've only been used what once. Yeah. Other than he was saying the Soviets used it to like find gas uh, or to find different um, you know zones where there was where there was oil. Right, they just blow up a fucking spot and say, "Oh, I guess there's oil here." I don't think they're doing that anymore. But it's well, it's kind of like if you had imagine if you had um, a super punch that you could do, and it was you regular fight whatever you get in arguments with people, you have a scrap. But all humans had this like super punch, and you could punch someone with it so hard you would kill them, but not instantly. It takes ten minutes, so it gives them. 10 minutes to use the same punch back to you, everyone would just get wiped out all the time. It's, it's too powerful of a weapon. And I guess until somebody can find a delivery system like that supersonic missile shit that they keep talking about, because then you can't stop them. And maybe you can't even tell where it came from. It just zaps in under the radar and all of a sudden New York's gone. And how long is it going to take before anyone figures out who shot us? What are we going to do, nuke every country until we figure it out? Well, I mean, that's the scary thing, right? Because it's basically, I mean, if we're talking about video games again, it's basically the same thing. They can just control these these weapons from a computer and yeah. they can go anywhere they want. We don't even need nuclear weapons anymore. Why? Because the, these aren't those aren't nuclear weapons; those are just rockets, right? Those are just like bombs. Well, that yeah, a little bit but, different. I mean, similar. Well, it's supersonic, so they're yeah. super fast. But I'm pretty sure that they can do put nukes on those bad boys too. Maybe not very big ones, but they could put maybe a small nuke. But Putin hopefully won't do that because he knows that we're going to retaliate, and then then World War Three begins, and nobody wants that. So no. let's just keep being hopeful there. It's but, scary. Scary stuff, though. I mean, that, that, that reminds me of what Mark was saying about, the, um, about everything, these cults that were basically in the past, right? They, mm-hmm. were these, they were basically way stricter than today's cults, right? Like, we see a cult and we're thinking, okay, this is, this is weird, whatever, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. But back in the day, it was like, no, you, you fucking get killed if you didn't believe in a thing. Yeah. They'll just kill you. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, n- like death was almost... It was such a, a normal a normal occurrence that I feel like people back in the day didn't see it as such a harsh ending like we do now. Right. Right? It was just more common. It was more common, yeah. So, you know, and the, the way they did, like, their courts, I mean, if it was a religious court, they were like, well, we just decided they were a witch, or they said blasphemy, and it's, like, guilty. Right. And but the worst part about it is like think how many people were killed just because somebody didn't like him and they didn't even do anything wrong. It's like that fear to play by the rules must have been horrific back then. Like it's tough to step out of line under any circumstances because as soon as those charges are brought up, it's like it's not like you have a jury of your peers to work with. They just they're out to get you and then they burn you and that's the end of it. Good luck. 
Well, and it, it was interesting to me, and it, it made sense once I heard it, about this basis of toter- totalitarian... Total- <laughs> Please say it for me. <laughs> totalitarianism. Blah, blah, blah. Nailed it. Jeez. But every concept that has basically tried to rule other people has, has, has started with this altruistic view. Right, like we're gonna help the people. Right, it's like the woke movement. It's a facade, dude. Every time is it's a facade. It's, it's been that way for centuries. It sounds good at first. Oh yeah, they're gonna help us. No, they're not. No, they're just gonna use no. it to crush you and control you. Well, he gave that example of Twitter. He's right. like, it's basically a religion now. You say anything wrong, there's blasphemy, there's uh, excommunication. You know, it's play by the rules. There's one way of thinking. I mean. The algorithms feed it. It's pretty scary stuff. Yeah, it is scary. And it's, uh, I think it's part of human nature. There, For whatever reason, we want to control others. It's, it's like, why is that? I don't know. I think we're just afraid of people having different ideas than us or ideas we don't like, you know? I mean, I think... That, I don't know how those systems work over like Twitter or Instagram or whatever, but but they basically decide that certain things are bad and then they have the computer look for them and remove it. And there's so much of it getting uploaded that they just have to, all they can do is just set programs to remove it. They can't look at each individual thing and and try and critically decide that the amount of time that would take would be impossible. So so robots are already controlling our information. Yeah, basically that's it. That's yeah. fucked up. And they're just bots that aren't even sentient or anything. They're See, just ni- programmed. 1984, you know, humans were doing it. Now, I mean, we're we're so far into the future that robots are now controlling our, our information. Mm-hmm. What we learn. What we see. Yep. So who controls those robots? That's the fear. But it's it's again, it's a program. And Mark Andreessen kept talking about these robots being a tool. Mm. You could use a hammer for good or bad. You can use a robot for good or bad. 100%. Is a, is a, is a bot, they call them bots, right? Yep. That are, you know, they're programmed to take away certain things on Twitter that are, I, you know, obviously don't know what, pro, you know, what they're telling it to do and not to do, but they're taking away our freedom of speech on Twitter because it's a privately owned company. So what's next? Yeah. Give me, some, give me a new Twitter. Basically, that's what they need. I think, like a no-holds-barred, say-what-you-want Twitter. And I think that's what Elon was trying to do, but he's backed out now. He's like, nah, you're not playing by the rules. You didn't give me the information on the bots. I mean, as far as I can tell, it cost him a billion dollars just to, like, fuck around like that. That's a, that's a bull-ass yeah, move. That's nothing for him, though. Did you, what did you think about Mark Andreessen? He's obviously, he's a libertarian, mm-hmm. right? He seems... Smart guy. Obviously, hasn't gotten into kind of weed or he does he seems like a pretty straight dude basically right he's a smart smart guy very interesting guy super smart obviously but he you know he's scared of weed being legal sounded like which i i kind of i i don't want to say i agree because i think people should be able to do whatever they want well i think he but it's scary to think i think he judges everything based on averages right so if you look at rogan he judges things based on his own experience and his his own life 
So he knows that psychedelics have not been bad for him. They've worked out great. He's learned a lot. He opened up. Marijuana has been good for him. He did it later in life. You know, he didn't have those like teenage years of just getting stoned and laying on the couch and getting nothing done. He has always been working hard, moving hard, and he's a successful, hardworking stoner. I think Mark looks at things like, well, let's look at the bell curve of behaviors for people that smoke weed. And it's reasonable to conclude that if he doesn't have a lot of experience with it, that, yeah, it might make you lazy. It might make you X, Y, and Z. Um, You know, he's not coming at it from personal experience as much as just, you know, looking at larger data fields, which... I don't even I don't always think that that's the best way of looking at things because you can always say to yourself then, oh, well, I look at a lot of data and it looks like people get in car accidents, so we should ban cars and everyone should take the bus because that's safer. Yeah, but as an individual driving, you're like, well, this doesn't make anywhere as much sense. So it's not always the best way to analyze something. I, I appreciated his perspective, though, because I grew up, in high school, we smoked weed, and it wasn't strong. And nowadays, I don't do it because it's too damn strong. I feel dumb. Mm. I can't imagine being a 16-year-old kid smoking the weed that's around now. I'm not saying it's bad or good. I just, for me personally, it's too strong. It's way strong. That scares me. Yeah. Like, now that I have a child, it scares me to think that if you're smoking that much weed with the, with the amount of THC that's in the weed that we have now that's basically genetically modified, it's all genetically modified... That's not good. That's not good for you, man. I'm sorry. Moderation is is key, and I'm not telling what people what people should. I'm not telling people what they should do or not do. But it it it's an interesting thing because this is so new. I mean, weed is just now becoming legal, which is great. People should be able to do what they want. I definitely believe in that. But this virtues thing that he talked about, and he brought it back to the forefathers about having virtues. And nowadays when, you know, religion is kind of falling out and, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who don't have this set of moral standards. Like a structure of yeah, man. ethical behavior. And uh, you know what? I, whether I believe in, you know, a, a higher power or not, it, I still believe in having standards and, and virtues to go by. That's a good thing. Mm. Whether it's religious or not. So what is the next step? Because there's so many people who don't follow a religion. They're not scared of God anymore. What do we follow? That, that really clicked with me because I grew up being scared as hell of, of God. I was scared of God. Like I went to Catholic church. It scared me, man. I was worried about committing sin, okay? That fucking probably made me a better kid. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I'm not saying that's the right way. But if there's no virtues to go by or no set of morals to go by, that is a little bit scary. And Mark Andreessen brought that up about how our forefathers had this virtuous, like, want to do better. How do we create that in, these, in, these young, in this younger generation? I don't know. But it seems important to me. Well, it's interesting you say that because what I was brought up in an uh, atheistic family. So no God. And my dad was kind of adamantly opposed to 
that existing. When I was young, I, you know, you just do what you do. You just believe your dad, right? So if right. he had been really religious, I would have followed that too. Like I thought he was the best thing in the world and he was right and that's how it was. When I got into my teen years, I calmed down a little bit. I was like, well, he, I don't know if he can be sure. I don't know if the religious people can be sure, but it's no one can fully know. And But I didn't grow up afraid of these moral outcomes like the religious people that I met when I moved to the U.S. Like they were f deeply afraid. And I thought, well, hold on. Are you really making a choice or is it just fear? Is it just that you're scared? It's not like I was doing terrible things and I had an idea. My parents taught me like don't do this, do that, be kind, do these things. But there it, it wasn't like the threat of hell at the end. It was just like you'll make people feel bad. And I don't, I don't think the threat of hell is a good thing. I don't. But what I, what I'm saying is, after hearing Mark Andreessen, it, it, it made me, I guess, rethink how people decide what is good or bad. Because, True. because in hi, in history, good or bad is whether God thinks it's good or bad, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So, how did your dad? tell you what was good or bad. He just told you what was good or bad and you just believed him. Basically. He didn't have to, I mean, scare, he didn't have to scare you into it. No, I mean, he was, he was a pacifist too. It still is. And I mean, he didn't even spank us. Which, to some, you know, it's like, sometimes he would sit us down and like lecture us through the whole reason why morally that was bad. And in, you know, when you're a tiny kid, like that, those little lectures get super annoying. And I was like, God, could you just spank us already? This is taking forever. Um, but it kind of drove drove it into us, you know. So there's ways, but I, I get what he's saying because you're right. If there's no religion, where are we getting our morality from? If it's not from our parents, the law, the government, people aren't trusting that shit very much right now. So that's not, and the, you know, we see what they're doing on Wall Street, Pelosi making all her money with. Inside of trading, allegedly, um, the, it's like, well, what? Where's the more, where's the moral compass, man? Exactly. I, I'm not saying we need one or not, but I, I, I the more idea. I think about it, I feel like we kind of do, and I don't know what that is now in the future because we're because there's good so education many. is what we need. Yeah, but we have such shit education in this country. Well, that's true. Unless you have money and you live in a good community, like where are you getting that education? Yeah. I get you. You need good parenting, right? That's basically. But it. you can't enforce good parenting. Well, yeah, you can't. <laughs> you can't always hope for it. I'll tell you that much. That's difficult to do. That's difficult. It's well, this delusion effect he talked about, right? This delusion of of morals, right? That's kind of what it came down to. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it. I guess it's just like a lack of understanding. I mean, in the same way when they were talking about nuclear power. It's like, really, I still am baffled of, like, why the argument is that we just can't have... That if we haven't built a plant since, what did he say, like, the 70s or something? That What's that, like, 50-plus years ago? Imagine how much better we would make nuclear plants today if we'd been building them this whole time. They would be so ridiculously safe. And he's, he said there's almost been zero deaths from most of the, the plant disasters... I know Chernobyl was not a good one. That's a terrible example, well, yeah. but that screwed everything up. Chernobyl scared everyone. Of, I think it did. Yeah, that one went way out of control. But we can make them way safer, and it covers all our power issues. 
And it's like, why don't we just have one area of the country where we experiment with this? It doesn't even have to be a plant that supplies a bunch of power to places, but we just do experiments with it. Yeah, and we just keep it away from the ocean. We're good. I totally agree. It's like in Nevada where no one's going to be ever for hundreds of years because it's so vast. And then we just play around with it until we make it so incredibly safe it's completely undeniable. I think that's a good note to end on. And I think people should watch Bill's Brain on Netflix because I it, it totally changed my mind on nuclear power. And I think that's definitely the answer moving forward until we can figure out how to do things cheaper and more efficiently and more renewably. We can't do that all at once. Mm. Nuclear power, absolutely the answer. Because you're right, the technology is there to do it way more safe. Way more safe. Yeah. It's there. We have the technology. We just have to get off of this scare tactic of like nuclear is bad isn't that just the the oil companies saying dude that? i feel like the oil companies have tricked the environmentalists and now the environmentalists don't even realize and they think they're trying to save the planet and it's all powered by the i mean what motivation would fuel companies and coal and gas companies have they would have a huge amount of motivation to stop nuclear so it's like these two sides that battle against each other, environmentalists and the and the power place, they're, they're like somehow on the same side with this, which is a weird one. Yeah, and nuclear is cheaper than coal too and a lot less dirty. I mean, it's basically, it's basically... What, zero... Zero carbon emissions, right? Uh, yeah, the, the 100%. It's like nothing. It's just steam comes out yeah. of those things. Let's go. Let's do it. We'll build one. We try. All right, let's jump over to Brian Redband. End on this crazy loon. I mean, he must be the guy that's been on Rogan the most times of all people. I'm not 100% sure, but he definitely has. Um, Co-creator of the show Kill Tony, which everyone must know about right by now. Kill Tony is a great show. I've seen that live many times at the Comedy Store, and it's always brilliant. It really is. When Joe says it's one of the best things in comedy right now, it's it's so true. Those shows were so wild and so fun, and Tony just crushes it. I mean, his ability to kind of ad-lib and rip on people, it's phenomenal. And there's so much weird shit that goes on in the show, too, because it's... Uh, and, I, and I just mean that as, like, the timing of gaps between things when the band plays or whatever. Tony is just a master of keeping that flow going. And it must be so difficult. That's like a ton of pressure. Obviously, he's practiced forever, but a brilliant show. And so many good new comedians are popping up through that, too. I, I love it to death. If you guys don't watch the Kill Tony show or you really have never seen it, then you need to start. It's that good. Legendary. I, th- I think we should jump into because we talked about this before with Duncan. And, you know, obviously a lot of these ideas get intermixed with what Joe's talking about because he he brings up a lot of the same ideas and concepts. But this whole VR headset thing, man, that was the biggest thing that I got out of this one was talking about how realistic these VR headsets are going to be and how Terrence McKenna back in the day actually predicted that we would have this fake DMT trip that Mm -hmm. seemed so realistic that you wouldn't know the difference. Well, they have uh, on this meditation app I have on my Oculus, 
uh, Quest or whatever it's called. I think it's now called the Meta something. They've changed the name. Right. But on that, in the meditation app called Trip, they have like a DMT, I think it's even called like the DMT thing. And it just takes, floats you through space and brings you to these like ginormous shapes that are like planets that just morph shape constantly. And it does it for like half an hour and you're in it. I mean, obviously the feeling that you get is not the same as being on that drug. I'm sure a lot more comes with it. Um, but those visuals are wild. Well, and, and Brian was also talking about um, how in this VR setting, like, well, for instance, he talked about how YouTube, people are watching YouTube more than they're listening to podcasts, right? Or, or they're listening to them via YouTube. They're watching them. But yeah, they like to do that a lot. Right? Which yep. is great. It, you get more out of it. Mm-hmm. But that, in turn, what, what he's saying is that that's going to end up being where people go and just put on their headset and watch it via their headset so they feel like they're there, right? And he was saying that he's he's already doing these virtual like cafes where he goes in and talks to people and he's is he doing his podcast like in the metaverse or is he planning on doing that? It, it sounded like he was planning on doing that and he's already been doing it. Cuz Joe kept saying, "Oh yeah, you're already you're already way ahead of the game. You you can see that this is actually happening and people are going to be wearing these headsets more often than not. Look, I'm not surprised. You can say what you want about Brian, but I'm pretty sure that he was the guy behind the idea for Rogan to do the podcast, and that was right at the beginning, really, of podcasts being created. I mean, they even said there were a few around, maybe a couple of hundred back then, but um, Brian was all over that. I mean, he got Rogan to do it and to stick at it, and, you know... Now look. Well, he he said he was a dork growing up, so it makes sense, you know, that he'd be wearing the headsets all day long. Mm-hmm. He gets it. He's into it. So many people are into it. I I can't see myself getting into it. I mean, you you gave me the headset that you have. It was cool, but it just kind of creeps me out, man. I don't know. Maybe once it gets more realistic, I'd be into it, but it just scares me to think that I could walk outside and go climb a mountain. We're in this beautiful state. And for me to just put on a set of VR goggles and pretend that I'm somewhere else, it, it's a little creepy. I get it. Yeah, it is unusual. But again, as they get better, imagine when they get smaller to the point where they're just like a cool pair of Oakleys. That's, that's what scares me and because that's going to happen. You're on the river, so you're floating the Madison or what, the Yellowstone or whatever, and you're floating down there, and it has systems in that are just identifying things everywhere. They're like eagle in the tree, the rock ahead. Like it sounds unnecessary, but real quick, they they only need a few things that would be real useful to you. It would show you the speed you're traveling, the wind, how long it is to the next uh, little spot where you can pull your boat out. Um, a bunch of things. Don't need any of that. Gives you a warning when a bear's coming. It's weird, man. <laughs> how about how about this? Um, the point that Joe was making about 90% of all species being extinct now. Mm-hmm. And is that an exponential curve? I, I should have looked this up because I, it, it's, it's, I'm curious about it. Or is that something that has just been continually happening through, you know, time? Well, yeah, it's, it's just that we well, right, think but, about evolution. It's lots of creatures. The reason we've changed is because we're adapting to our, environment as the environment changes over hundreds of millions of years 
So a lot of those creatures just couldn't survive in the new environment. And they have slight mutations in their offspring that make them maybe a little smaller for like an island that broke off. So now they don't have to eat as much and they can survive better on that island, whereas the bigger creatures couldn't. They died out. It it, it was just how it is. It doesn't mean that, you know, everything just dies all the time. No, I, I get that. But it was also saying that cats, like actual domestic cats, are the species that are killing all of these animals, whether it's birds, rodents. You know, oh, they- well, it doesn't, no, the 90% is like through time. But, but now then they were saying, the cats, yeah, right? nowadays cats seem to be wiping out the most species, which is interesting because they like to blame humans for that. But I'm sure we're doing plenty of it, but it is funny, not funny, I guess, but it is kind of unusually amusing that it's actually cats that are doing it. They're little assholes, dude. Still our fault because we're purchasing kitty cats. That is true. That's a problem. We kind of brought cats everywhere. But, you know, can we? do we really have to just sit around blaming ourselves all the time? I mean, we're the only animal that creates, like, large, safe habitats for other creatures. Good point. What about this coyote thing they talked about, how all these coyotes are... We're actually creating more of a problem by killing the coyotes or or getting them out of their normal habitat, right? Like a, a rancher killing a coyote, they were saying that if a coyote doesn't howl at night because he's dead, the pack actually knows that that coyote is now dead because they have they know the howl of that coyote. Mm. So the mom coyote actually goes off and has way more sex to create more offspring because that coyote died. So we're actually also creating that problem. So we're creating the cat problem and the coyote and the coyote problem. You can't you can't wipe the coyotes out, dude. Well, no, they're saying it's impossible. that the more we the more we devastate their habitats by killing them, the more they're reproducing. Yeah. yeah. Like they're in New York now. He was saying that like coyotes are roaming the streets of New York like the rats. No shit. Where would they be like dude, bedding down for the night? I they didn't talk about that, but they talked about. He talks about this book. Joe was saying this new book coming out, Coyote America, or maybe the that book was already out. By oh, Dan, it's already by Dan, out. Yeah. by Dan Flores. He brings it up a bunch. Supposedly, uh, it's a wild book. I still haven't read it. And uh, yeah, I mean that was it was crazy because you'd think you kill the coyotes, there's going to be less coyotes, but it actually creates this innate this this natural instinct of the mother coyotes to actually want to create more. Mm-hmm. And they do. Well, look at wolves, right? They wipe wolves out of England. We've wiped wolves out of many different places. In fact, we've like reintroduced them in the, the Yellowstone because they're actually, they're, when there's a lot of them, it's very dangerous. Joe's talked about how in the war, one of the wars, the Russians and the Germans had a ceasefire because the wolves were killing everyone, so they had to go shoot the wolves. It's like they're a problem. So there's a reason humans have really reduced their numbers for safety. It can be an issue if there's a lot of wolves. But it's more manageable to do because they're tight packs. You can find them all. They uh, don't stay close to other groups of wolves. And But the coyotes don't work like that. The coyotes are way better survivors, and it makes it basically impossible to really kind of keep their numbers down well it's it i mean it's kind of like a mix between a fox and a wolf right they're a little bit more clever i think than wolves are Hmm. maybe Uh, that's just uh, i just made that up but it seems correct 
I don't know. Wolves seem pretty clever. But uh, speaking of that, though, Wolves, don't don't watch Yellowstone. D- Joe said that you should watch Yellowstone, and it's great. Don't do it. Why? Oh, you don't want anyone to move here. It's just a horrible show. It's it doesn't it doesn't <clears throat> represent the the West like it tries to. I don't think. I, but anyway, I agree. I don't. About- I watch that show, and I don't know anybody like the people on that show that are like at least hanging around Bozeman. I don't know where you got to go to see him. What about this, uh, God, this, this testosterone cream? Do you think that was real about this two-year-old who's, like, growing pubes? <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? I mean, it would work. It, it was saying that this kid's dad was, t- was using this testosterone cream for whatever reason. He was putting, he was, like, lathering, uh, lathering himself with testosterone cream for some genetic thing. I, he probably, I, I don't know. It didn't explain why, but he was using this stuff. And his kid ends up showing signs of puberty at the age of two. He was two years old, and he's like he's like as tall as his dad. Hmm. It was crazy. They showed they showed a picture of this little kid. I mean, he didn't look like a like a grown ass man, but he looked a lot bigger than a two year old. I have a two year old, and this kid was looking a lot bigger than that for sure. Well, I think it would make sense though, right? If you give. If you loaded a kid up with human growth hormone and testosterone way before he's supposed to be making it, he's going to grow a lot. I'm sure that there's going to be complications in the future, but yeah, dangerous stuff. Or complications from uh, the hard water that we're drinking. They went into that a little bit. And I I think it was brought up because Red Band was talking about he like bought some Garfield cups on eBay, remember those Garfield cups that were like, mm-hmm. painted from from Mickey D's? The it was in the the kids' Happy Meal, right? But he found out there was so much lead paint in the in the paintings on the cups that it was like it was like a thousand times more lead than what you should be having in anything that you consume from. Yeah, that's bad. Um, but then it talked about hard water, and they didn't really get to the bottom of it because you know hard water has minerals in it, so it you would think it was good for you, right? Mm-hmm. But they're also saying that it could create psoriasis or skin problems, right? Like dry skin, whatever. Um, but I, I would like to go back and look that up because the water that we have in Bozeman, or at least at our house, is is like you can see it on the toilets. It's it's It has so much iron in it. Like, is that good or bad? I don't know. Is that what it is, iron? I think so. I think that's what creates that orange like film that you get on your toilet or if... I mean, I can see it on my shower head. Uh-huh. You know, there's just like this orange paste that, that's created. Like, iron's good for you, right? Yeah, but not too much. But not too much. You need tiny amounts. And we have no idea what's in our water. And I don't think you're supposed to eat rust either. It's like the way that you get the iron needs to be like through foods. Otherwise, you're just poisoning yourself with heavy metals. Right. Well, well and speaking of that, they, they also went into the soil... I think Joe was saying, you know, scientists are saying that there's only 60 years left of topsoil. Yeah, that's scary. I don't understand that much at all. Well, because it's, it's getting blown off. And they're using so many chemicals in this industrial agriculture that we have because we have so many humans, we have to feed them, right? That's like a good and a bad, right? Yeah. We're feeding more people, but we're diluting the soil down so that there's no nutrients in our the things we're eating. Sure. Because we don't do that like crop rotation thing that they used to do. You know, like every so many seasons, they would plant a field of just like radishes or something that 
isn't something that we would eat a lot of, but it's the type of thing that they plant would help kind of well, re- rejuvenate the soil for like later seasons. Now what we do is just stick nitrogen fertilizer in over and over and over and over again. Yeah, and it's ruining our soil because we're not using those sustainable practices like we did where you it's a, you know, it's a, what is it called? A um, rotation crop, I That's think. That's it, yeah. Right? So like for two years you grow in the same field then you plant a bunch of whatever it is to get more nitrogen back in the soil naturally and you, you plant somewhere else and then for a year or two and then you go back to that original spot where the nitrogen has now naturally come, naturally back. come back because you planted something that has a high nitrogen like clover or alfalfa has high nitrogen. Can we afford the to do it though? Because think about it, right? So if we do it that way, that means every piece of land for I don't know what the rotation is, let's say a quarter of the time, is unusable. So in a sense, that makes a quarter of the all the land at any one time not usable. That would change. We would have to be planting on a lot more land to even maintain the same amount that we have now. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. What I do know is that if we keep doing it the way we're doing it, it sounds like we're, fucked. we're, we're not going to have any nutrients in our soil or our food. But I'm sure we'll figure it out, whether we do hydroponics and, you know, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these, you know, even in the city, there's a lot of new farms popping up where they're like, you know, vertical farms. Well, it goes back to those bioharvest guys that we were talking to, to, and we're going to release like a, a special pod this week, probably on Saturday, that talks to this company that grows some sort of, they do it all in a lab. And they just use the cells so it uses no land and they can pick the most perfect cell and then they reproduce that over and over again. And there we go, no soil. And we're making massively nutrient-dense um, like foods, basically, or at least nutritional supplements. And, I, you know, this is one man's opinion, but, I, you know, doing that with meat as well, I think that that's going to happen. They've been trying oh, to lab do it. Meat. It, it's going to happen. It's going to have to happen because really the most of the land that's being used is for cattle right. and livestock. Mm-hmm. That's more, way more of an issue than vegetables and ro- crops rotating and having the nutrients in the soil. It's really these, these animals, these large mammals that are taking up all the space. Dude, if they can make a steak taste like a steak, they I will. don't think anyone cares. They, no one's going to care. Dude, that's the future. I, oh, I, I, I fully... I'm fully on board with that because I love meat. But if I, like you said, if I could get something that tastes just like meat and it doesn't come from something we have to kill, awesome. Right. Who's going to be against that? I mean, there you could still go hunt an elk or whatever, but... Yeah. Dude. But that, you don't that, have to have 9,000 cows squashed into a tiny building, you know, falling in their own crap, and then, you know, the assembly line of slaughter, slaughtering... Yeah, nobody wants that. If we can if we can get rid of that and still have high quality protein meals from basically fake meat. I mean, but really it's not. It's coming from the same cells. Yeah. It's just a different way to do it. It's just an advanced way of creating what we're eating. Yeah, I think it's awesome. As long as it's the same stuff and they don't genetically mess with it, they just make it, you know, they just figure out how to grow it like that. That'd be excellent. I'm into it. I'm into it. All right, on that note, let's call it. Good old Red Band. What a legend. Still around, still kicking, still doing great. 
Um, thanks, as always, for listening. Check out our website, jrereview.com. Go to our Instagram. We're going to start having... Yeah, basically like some quiz questions of the week for Rogan, like for all of you guys that listen to all the pods like we do, um, you know, we just come up with some fun questions just to see, test your knowledge and have a good time. And there we go. Thank you so much, guys. Talk to you next week. Peace out.